Adam, I think you played the drum ever bit as good as I did playing the bass. Amen. <laughs> He's not complimented at all by that. Amen. We got some utility players here at uh, West Ward. I asked Adam, I said, Adam, can you play the drums? Because I can't play them at all. I don't have hand-eye coordination enough. I don't have hand-foot coordination enough to play the drums. And um, so he said, well, not, not much, especially not on the spot. And then all of a sudden he said, come get the bass to try. I thought we did all right. Hey, Amen. I'll tell you this, me and Adam were better looking than your normal drummers and bass players. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I didn't get any amens even from my mom or my wife. I don't know. Turn in your Bibles to James chapter 4 and verse 14. James chapter 4 and verse 14. I'm going to be reading tonight from the contemporary English version of the scripture, and it just says it, uh, meaning's the same, it just says it a little bit more in up-to-date language. I don't know, I don't always know uh, where my messages come from. I, uh, when you've been, it's hard to say when you've been preaching as long as I have, but I don't really remember a time when I wasn't preaching to be honest with you I was preaching at uh, at three years old <laughs> it didn't make any sense somebody says well it's kind of that way at 52 but I <laughs> but uh, but when you've been doing it as long as I have uh, Billy you'll understand this everything that happens in life is a potential sermon illustration and uh, they say that uh, if preachers can find a good scripture to go along with a good illustration, they're all right. But sometimes it, I don't even know where it comes from, and that's the way it is tonight. I don't know where this thought came from, uh, really, but uh, maybe you'll get something out of it anyway. Uh, James 4.14, what do you know about tomorrow? How can you be so sure about your life? It is nothing more than mist that appears for only a little while before it disappears. I think the King James says life is a vapor, and of course those are the same thing. It's like a mist and then it's gone. It appears for a little while and then it's gone. Imagine we live uh, by a lake. We don't live on the lake. We live on a canal, and the difference between living on the canal and living on the lake is several thousand dollars. But we, when we pass by, uh, the lake in, in the mornings when I'm taking the kids to school or whatever, often there's a, a little low-hanging mist, fog over the lake. After I drop them off, I come back, it's gone. And that's the way it's talking about. And somewhere in the resources of, of my mind, I came up with this uh, idea. Uh, I want us tonight to have a mayfly mentality. A mayfly mentality. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we're asking you to touch us tonight, to speak to us through your word, oh God, and challenge us through your word. God, there are times that we come to your word for inspiration. There are times we come to your word for education, for answers that we need. There are times, Lord, that your work challenges us, stretches us. We're praying, God, that the engrafted word of God would do its work tonight. In Jesus' name, amen 
and amen. If you believe that every moment we spend in God's Word is beneficial, say hallelujah. Amen. When uh, mayflies reach adulthood and they, quote, hatch, unquote, out of the water, they've got about a day to live. In fact, mayflies have become synonymous with uh, anything that only lasts for just a moment in time. And the question occurs to me, and I think it's a question you ought to ask yourself, what if I only had just this one day to live? What if, it, what if I knew when I got up this morning that I only had one day to live? It reminds me of the man that went to the doctor, and the doctor came in and said to him, uh, we've been trying to get a hold of you, Mr. Jones. You've only got a week to live. He said, that's the good news. Do you want the bad news? He said, well, what could the bad news be? We've been trying to get a hold of you for four days. <laughs> what if you only had a week to live? What if you only had just this day to live? What would you do today? We're at the end of the day, close to the end of the day. Think about how you have spent the majority of this day. Would you have done the same thing if you only had one day to live? What if today were the only day that we had to live? I challenge you and I to live with a mayfly mentality because they only have one day to live. I went over to mom and dad's on uh, July 4th, and one of the things that I did is I took my mom and dad's yearbook, high school yearbook, and I uh, opened uh, those up and had the kids sit with me and mom sit with me, and some of you... Uh, I think maybe they still do this in some places. They never did it in any uh, school that I was a part of, but uh, I know that back in, in, in the bygone day, often there would be a quote beside the photograph of the seniors. And I don't know, did y'all choose those quotes or were they chosen for you? I don't know how those quotes uh, came to be. But I guess the, the people that were on the annual staff or whatever chose those quotes. Dad says... If I can remember this correctly, uh, a, uh, a mind to conceive, a heart to resolve, and a hand to execute. Somebody knew you when they said that. Mother says something interesting. Mother says, live only for today, for tomorrows, the tomorrows will take care of themselves. And I remember coming up that mother, uh, and I don't want to put words in her mouth, but she always acted a little bit embarrassed by that quote like that was the perspective of youth but now I've lived long enough to know that you've got to plan for tomorrow but mother I think it actually was on to something I actually think that there is uh, a good perspective to say live only for today I picked up Katie I may have shared this with with you guys a few weeks ago but I picked up Katie one day for school and I said Katie how was your day today and Katie has this, those that knows Katie well, Katie has a universal answer that uh, it's the universal answer that may mean I didn't have a good day or I don't want to talk about it or I wish you'd leave me alone. But it's, I don't know how you spell that, but she, she's, that's her language. And I said, Katie, that's not the right answer. The answer that you ought to have is this is the greatest day of my life. Because it's the only day 
of your life. Remember what we've said that tomorrow is in a womb, yesterday's in a tomb. The only time that we had to live is today, and that's why it's a gift. They call it the present. Today is the only day you'll ever live. You say, no, I'll, if God helps me, I'll live tomorrow. No, because when tomorrow gets here, it'll be today. That wise prophetess, Annie, little orphan Annie, saying about tomorrow, 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 you're always a day away, and tomorrow's always a day away. I cannot tell you how much weight I have lost tomorrow. How many diets I have been on tomorrow. How many exercise routines I've started tomorrow. I told a friend of mine the other day, I said, Matthew McEachin, I said, Matthew, I have finally completed my first book. He said, oh, congratulations, you've written your first book. I said, no, I've finished reading my first book. <laughs> Tomorrow, there's all kinds of things that if we could have done them tomorrow, we would have gotten them done. But tomorrow never comes. It's always today. But that's a biblical idea, live only for today. That's what Jesus said. This is, if you want a good sermon, somebody said we've been dying for one. If you want a good sermon, turn to Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. That's the Sermon on the Mount. That's the most complete text of any sermon that Jesus ever preached. And I'm going to tell you, Jesus was like the best preacher that there's ever been, okay? Because he was the Word made flesh. So if you want a good sermon, read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And in the Sermon on the Mount... Chapter 6, verse 34, Jesus said, Don't worry about tomorrow. It'll take care of itself. You have enough to worry about today. Now, if it makes you feel a little better, let me give that to you in the King James. Take no thought for tomorrow, for sufficient is the evil for each day. You're going to have enough trouble today. Don't worry about tomorrow. You know, when you worry about tomorrow, you, you rob today of its joy and you borrow from tomorrow its pain. Live each day. Live like today is only today. So what lesson can we learn? You say, well, that's a weird sermon for you to take the mayfly. Well, you know, Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived and he said, consider the ant. So I guess if Solomon can consider the ant, we can consider the mayfly. And here's one of the things about the mayfly. The mayfly's life is brief. It only has one day. But can I tell you, so is ours. Our life is brief. Now, I had an uncle that lived to be 106 years old, got killed in a motorcycle accident. Now, that last part wasn't true, but he did live to be 106 years old. And I hope I take after him genetically. People keep telling me I've crossed over now that I'm 50. I've crossed over to the other side of the mountain. I'm over the hill. No, man, I've got 56 more years to go. What you talking about? I am not even middle age yet. Live to be 106 years old still. That's it. Dropping the bucket. Compared to eternity. In fact, the Bible says you think a, a thousand years is a long time to the Lord. That's just a day, right? So you live for today. Their life is brief. The, the scientific name of the mayfly, and I don't know if I can get this out or not, is the Ufamoraptera. I'm going to say that again because it makes me spit. But the root word is this, ephemeral. 
Ephemera or ephemeral means something that only is built to last for a short time. And that's where it gets its name. In fact, it's from the Latin that means only lasting one day. It's ephemeral. Your life, earthly life, is ephemeral. It is brief. Uh, in the uh, Psalm 103:15, he knows our lives are short, that they are like grass. He knows we are like a little wildflower that grows quickly. But when the hot wind blows, verse 16, it dies so soon you cannot even see where the flower was. We're just like a little flower that grows and withers and dies. You say, boy, that is a cheerful thought. Might not be cheerful, but it doesn't mean that it's not true. Life is short. I was watching a movie on TV this afternoon, and I looked, and the movie was made in 2010. I said to Crystal, can you believe that that movie's already nine years old? It just seems like it came out yesterday. Right? Dad had a boss years ago that said to him, he said, Travis, you know, when you get older, you can remember things that happened years ago better than you can remember things that just happened. Later on, about an hour later, he said, Travis, you know when you get older, <laughs> you can remember things that happened years ago better than you can things just happened. <laughs> about 2 o'clock afternoon, he said, Travis, you know when you get older, you can remember things that happened years ago better than you can things that just happened. Boy, time flies. Do you remember when you were a child? Can you remember when you were a child? When you were a child, do you remember how long it took Christmas to come? You remember how you had to wait and wait and wait and wait? This week was July 4th, which means Christmas is next week. Right? I'm going to tell you, by the time I get used to writing 2018, it's already 2019. By the time I get used to writing 2019, it's already 2020. It goes by like a flash, doesn't it? I mean, you it, does anybody else get up in the morning and look in the mirror and you're surprised at the stranger staring back at you? Well, I'm going to tell you, I don't wake up this pretty. It, it takes a while. <laughs> Their life is brief. And in our text, James says our life is like an evaporating mist. Think about how that just dissipates, disappears. Our life is brief. We need to live with a mayfly mentality to understand how precious life is because life is so brief and it's so fragile. I remember when Daniel Castor uh, was with us that he preached a message one time and I still, I still have it uh, on my desk in my office. He handed out a little sticker that was just a little dash. Anybody remember that? It was just a little sticker that, you know, like goes on your mailboxes, but it was just a dash. And he reminded us that when you go to the cemetery and you look, there's two dates there. There's the year of someone's birth and the year of someone's death and there's a dash in between and he reminded us that we are all living in the dash and it is just a dash isn't it life is brief 
So we've got to make the most of it. And then life, we also learn from the Mayfly, life is, their life is busy. And by busy, I don't mean busy for business sake. I mean their life is productive. They make the most of that day. They emerge from the water. They hatch with one purpose in mind. And that purpose is to reproduce. Now, I don't want you to get the wrong message from this sermon. I want you to get the right message. You know what? The first commandment that God gave to Adam and Eve that's spoken, the first spoken commandment in Scripture that God gave to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. You remember when Jesus went to, uh, the, this is in the middle of his last week on earth. This is the day before the Last Supper. He would be betrayed after the Last Supper on Thursday night, according to our account. This was on Wednesday. On Friday, he'd be crucified. In the middle of that, Jesus goes and tries to get uh, figs off of a fig tree that looked like it ought to be fruitful. And there was no fruit on it. No figs on it. And Jesus cursed it that it would never have figs on it again. And it dried up and died. The next day, Peter marveled that it dried up and died. That was on Tuesday. On Wednesday, it had dried up and died, as I understand it. And it was all in the middle of God showing us that production means something to God. God wants our lives to matter. He wants our lives to have meaning. And the one thing that, they're, that the mayfly is trying to do is to carry on the species. And God wants sheep that reproduce sheep. Let's think about that in practical ways. We've got so many people that are so talented in this church. Super talented people. I, I really don't know of any church anywhere, especially our size, that has had any more talented, gifted, smart, uh, people that have ingenuity. I mean, we've just got some great people that do some great, great things. Maybe your thing is, is that you, every time that we have something that's a social event, you're part of the people that serve in the kitchen. Who's going to serve in the kitchen when you go? i tell you who could serve in the kitchen. The young person that has, and there are, believe it or not, there are young people that have a desire and a proclivity for those kinds of things. And if you can find them, you can say, come along, let me show you how we do it. We've got some people that do a great job with our media, a great job with our music. Who's going to do it after you're gone? If you'll be intentional, you can find somebody that you can reproduce what you're doing through them. Because life is brief. I, I, please don't take this. I don't mean this to be harsh in any, in any form. I don't mean it to be harsh, and I certainly don't mean it to be cruel because I have grieved with you, with those precious saints that are no longer with us at West Ward Church of God. But some of those saints have left gaps that we've not been able to fill. 
But I'm going to tell you, the Holy Spirit can feel them and wants to feel them. We have to be productive. Did you know when the mayfly hatches that they are so interested in reproducing they don't even take time to eat? In fact, nature has allowed that their mouths are not even fully developed. They're not interested in eating. They're interested in getting their job done. They have a brief life, but their brief life is a life of purpose and it's a life of direction. They know what they're there to do and they go about it. Somebody said this, that man is the only animal that does it by nature do what God wants it to do. Birds fly like they're supposed to fly. Fish swim like they're supposed to swim. Man's the only one that by nature doesn't do what the Lord wants it to do. Mayflies reproduce. That's what's in them. That's what drives them. Ephesians 5.16, King James Version says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. I like what the contemporary English Version says. These are evil times, so make every minute count. We are only given so much time. The Bible says we have an appointment to keep. There's, it's appointed unto man once to die after this, the judgment. I do believe that we can do things, and I think it's scriptural, that we can do things that, that quickens or shortens our time on earth. I believe we can do things that will extend our time on earth, but we are born with an expiration date. We're born with an expiration date. And God has given us, allotted us so much time. And we should budget our time just like we should budget our money. The currency of life is time. The currency of your life is time, of my life is time. The denominations are seconds and minutes and hours and days and weeks and months and years and decades, so on. How do we spend our time? The way that I spend my time is the way I spend my life. And when I waste time, I'm wasting life. Well, that's convicting to me because I, I can waste time. Now somebody says, well, are you saying we ought to just go like a uh, you know, like an engine 24-7, like a perpetual motion to see, uh, you know, machine just keep going and going. No, 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 no. The Lord doesn't even want that. The Lord says one day in seven we ought to take a break and rest. That's not wasting time. Resting is not wasting time. Enjoying family and friends is not wasting time. Doing things that we enjoy that are relaxing is not wasting time. It's okay, we need to plan those things. They need to be a part of things. But I'm going to tell you, whenever you have to go to work in order to take a vacation, you're probably spending too much time on rest and relaxation. That's probably wasting time. We've got to be deliberate in how we use our time. It's not a matter of, of what we do and what we don't do. It's a matter of what our priorities are and where we're living with a mayfly mentality that we are deliberate about what our goal is in life. I went to the dermatologist this week to get the stitches out where I was, uh, had a, a skin cancer removed. 
I thank all of you that asked me about that, which was zero. But anyway, <laughs> see, I got this alley right here. It's boo-boo. It's doing fine, by the way. But I went to the dermatologist, and I saw this little sign. I had to take a picture of it, a little sign on their desk. It was just cut out of, you know, just printer paper and just, uh, you know, scotch tape to the little desk there, but I, and I'd never noticed it. And, and the girl behind the counter said, I put that about 10 years ago there, but I noticed it the other day. And I took a picture of it on my phone so I could, so I could share it later and so I could be inspired about it, about it. Watch your thoughts, they become words. Watch your words, they become deeds. Watch your deeds, they become habits. Watch your habits, they become character. Watch your character, your character becomes your destiny. Years ago, I think it was back in the 50s, there was a, uh, a psychologist or a sociologist that, that wrote a, uh, a study that said if you can spend a minimum of 21 days doing something, it becomes a habit. Can you imagine that you could change your life in three weeks by changing your habits? And let me say this about habits. Habits are not something that simply can be broken. Habits are something that have to be replaced. If you think you're going to go through life without habits, you're kidding yourself. We are creatures of habit. We are habitual. If you don't believe it, turn around and see where you have scribbled your name into the pew that you're sitting on. Right? Every once in a while, some of you get slick and, and switch seats on me and throw me off. I can't hardly preach that Sunday looking for you. We're creatures of habits. So if you think that you're going to go through life without habits, I'm just going to break habits. You're not. You're going to have habits. The question is, what habits are you going to have? Are you going to discipline yourself through the power of the Holy Spirit to have good habits? Are you going to pick up bad habits? Are you going to have it? Let me tell you, Billy told me, and boy, he aggravates me so much. Billy Wilson told me that he has just started on his 81st time reading through the Bible. But can I tell you that Billy Wilson has not read the Bible through 80 times? He's read the Bible daily. And that has equaled to 80 times. Right? If I set out and go to read the Bible through 80 times, I'm not going to make it. But if I could just read the Bible daily, if I can just do it for 21 days, it becomes a habit. So our, their life is busy. Oh, let me tell you about this. C.T. Studd was an Englishman. He was, a, he was a cricketer. If you don't know what a cricketer is, it'd be like a professional baseball player to us. But he got saved. Back during the, the moody days, the sanky days, he got saved. And they said of him that he was plain spoken and that he believed in a muscular Christianity. He was a doer. He was one of those go-getters that I talked about this morning. He's quoted with this quote, 
Some want to live within the sound of the church or chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. And C.T. Studd first went as a missionary to China. He met his wife there, married her, had children there. Later on in his life, he decided that he had had enough of China, so he went and pastored a church in India. After he did that a while, he went to the Sudan in Africa. And then he ended up, against doctor's advice, he went to serve in the Belgian Congo. And while he was in the Congo, he left his wife back home in England to raise funds. She only she went over there a time or two to see him. She grew, grew ill. He went back home to see her. But he was at the Belgian Congo and in 1931, at 70 years old, he passed away in the Belgian Congo, still laboring for the master. He had gotten saved, and he thought that many ought to do something with his life and with his time. He's most famous for this, and most of the time, we just quote two little lines of his famous poem, but I'm going to read the whole poem to you tonight, if you'll, if you'll bear with me. Two little lines I heard one day traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord, to meet and stand before his judgment seat, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, the still small voice, gently pleads for a better choice. Bid me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, a few brief years, each with its burdens, hopes, and fears. Each with its clays I must fulfill, living for self or in his will. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep in joy or sorrow thy word to keep, faithful and true, whate'er the strife, pleasing thee in my daily life. Only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, let my love with fervor burn, and from the world now let me turn, living for thee and thee alone, bringing thee pleasure on thy throne. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say, thy will be done. And when at last I hear thy call, I know I'll say, twas worth it all. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will, stay, will last. And then an extra stanza only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And when I'm dying, how happy I'll be if the lamp of my life has been burned out for thee. Mayflies only live one day, but they leave something behind them when they go. If today were your last day, what would you leave behind you? What legacy would you leave behind you? What have you shared that God has given you? What would you reproduce? What would be your legacy? What would be your heritage? Their life is brief. Their life is, is, uh, 
busy, but their life is also brilliant. In the nymph stage of their life, they exist up under some rock in a stream. Down where the, the silt falls, down where leaves and sticks have decayed. Down in the mire and the muck is where they live their days. But all the while that the nymph of the mayfly is living, existing in the mud, all that while within them is the chance to fly. While they're in the mud, they're a flyer on the inside. And you may feel like that life is just living in the mire and the mud. You're just there passive up under the rock waiting for some food to fall. But can I tell you, that is not what the destiny of God has for you. If you're a child of God, can I tell you, all the while that you're in the mire and the muck, you have it in you to fly. Here's what Isaiah 40, 31 says. You know what? But they that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We can live a brilliant life. We can live a life where we soar with the eagles. Oh, it, it is quite a sight. It is a brilliant spectacle whenever the mayflies hatch. When mayflies hatch out of the water, they come out not just individually, but by the thousands. We might not know much more much about mayflies here. We know a lot about love bugs. <laughs> what you see there in this part, that, that green there on the uh, radar, that's not rain clouds. That's not bad weather. That's where radar has picked up swarms of mayflies. Over here to your right is what a swarm of mayflies looks like. When mayflies hatch, they swarm. Can you imagine if Christians lived with a mayfly mentality that we got out of the mire and the muck and together we swarmed across this earth. Can you imagine what it would be like if we would swarm? I, I saw this past weekend the potential when I looked out on 13,000 people, probably 12,000 of them teenagers, and they were all there lifting their hands to Christ singing his praises, and I think you don't see that on CNN or even Fox News. You would think that everybody in the world is going to start raving crazy, but I can tell you, you remember old Elijah got that way. He said, I'm the only one. The rest of them backslid. They've, they've built idols. They've, they've murdered your prophets, and the Lord said, son, you don't know it. I've got 7,000 in reserve that have never bowed the knee to Baal. Can you imagine if we all got together 
together and got serious about spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ across Coffee County and we swarmed into the crack house and we swarmed into the load part, we swarmed into the ghetto, we swarmed into the back streets. Can you imagine what would happen if Christians would swarm? First thing, we got to get up out of the mud and then we got to get together and swarm. You know, there's a lot of poems that have been written about the mayfly. Mayfly is kind of a, a romantic figure for people because it's got such a brevity of life. There was a German artist by the name of Albrecht Durer. And I don't know if that name's familiar to you, but you may have heard it before because Albrecht Durer is most famous for his sketch of the praying hands. If you've ever seen those praying hands, that's Albert Durer. But one of the things he also did is he was an engraver. And particularly he engraved biblical scenes. And one of the engravings that he, uh, that he did was, uh, is sometimes called the holy family with the dragon flower, the holy family with the locust or the holy family with a butterfly, but it is often called the holy family with the mayfly. We don't know why he did it. We don't know what message he was trying to send. We don't know what his meaning was. We don't even know what kind of fly he was trying to draw. But if you will look down in your, the right-hand corner, you see the Virgin Mary with the Christ child. You see up in heaven, you see the representative of God the Father. There's a dove in there that represents God the Holy Spirit. Of course, the Christ child represents God the Word. But down in the right-hand corner, you can barely see it. He's going to zoom in for it. Down in the right-hand corner, he, grew, he drew this little insect that many people say, is a mayfly. It looks like a mayfly. He said, well, why in the world do we care? We don't even know why that little fellow's there. But I'll tell you this, the picture's not complete without him. Here he engraved this earth-moving scene, piercing into heaven, and seeing God the Father, picturing the, Holy, picturing the Holy Spirit descending like a dove, the Christ child, the Virgin Mary. This is a scene that has changed time and eternity. And down in a little corner, Albrecht puts a little mayfly. What I'm telling you is you may feel like that you're insignificant. You may feel like you have nothing to contribute. You may even feel like that you don't belong. You may feel like your little brief life is just a waste of oxygen. But I'm telling you the picture is not complete without you. God put us here for a reason. Anybody ever felt like you were born in the wrong time period? Anybody ever felt that way? 
I always thought I would have gotten along real good in the 50s. But when God created me and made me, and God had a, a thought in his mind of me somewhere in eternity past, he said, I think I'll put Brit where he'll live during the latter part of the 20th century and the first part of the 21st century. And God said, I think I'll give Britt some gifts that he can use for my glory in the days living in. Oh man, would I love to go back and live in America where everybody thought like I did. I don't want to offend anybody and please, please don't be offended by this. It's meant lighthearted. I wish I could go back and live in an America where only sailors had tattoos. I mean, I, I wish I could go back to a different day and time. Boy, the, a trip to Walmart is like the circus is in town like half the time. I try to watch, I try to watch uh, relatively clean channels on TV, and so I'll have, I'll have it on Hallmark. And a commercial will come on Hallmark that in the commercial it has people of the same sex kissing in the commercial when I'm trying to watch Hallmark. Do you ever feel like, boy, I wish I could go back. No, God knew you and God placed you providentially into the earth at this point and this time. And you may feel like you're insignificant, but I'm going to tell you, God's picture's not complete without you. Amen. If we could live life with a mayfly mentality that said, yeah, life's brief, and because it's brief, I'm not going to sit on the stump and... Uh, worry about and mourn and cry about how little time I have. I'm going to make the most of every day. I'm going to be busy about the things of God. I'm going to be busy about the Father's business. And I'm not going to stay here in the mud and wallow. I'm going to soar. And me and my brothers and sisters are going to swarm the earth with the glory of God. Amen. Stand all over the building tonight. Amen.